the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. You're there. Happy Friday to you one and all. Congratulations. You made it through the week. 401, your start time here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan and 106.9thefan.com. Eric France and Andre Salveson is the Full Court Press Season 2. Starting to finally, well, we sort of start to wind down. We get ready for an early start to Season 3 of the Full Court Press. That will be coming. Things have been winding down for four weeks now. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just trying to stay optimistic. But then you read reports and you're like, nope, never mind. We're not there. Oh, wait, we're there. So before we always get into this, and it's kind of become a tradition, and it's for the better of the public, Eric, what uh, updates do you have on the coronavirus report and what things stand? Okay, yeah, so um, latest report for our area, uh, one more case, positive case today, so we're up to 42, uh, but the good news is is that the, the percentage of those who are tested and those that are confirmed positive remains in single digits. That's a good sign. Um, and so the, the health officials keep saying that uh, the the curve is is flattening. That makes sense to people. <laughs> Instead of being this huge spike, um, it's uh, it's not quite as as bad. So the social distancing that's going on, uh, you know, canceling school or not canceling school, but dismissing school. So people are doing it from home, uh, you know, no uh, church gatherings, which is going to be tough this week. I mean, holy cow, Easter weekend, that's tough for any congregation, any faith that you belong to. Uh, if, you're a, if you're a Christian, that's a big weekend. But um, it's it still remains really, really, really important that you still practice these social distancing guidelines. Uh, it, there's, it's going to be a big temptation to have gatherings with family this weekend. Uh, I get it. Believe me, I do. But uh, it, it's it's still really, really important that we follow these guidelines uh, because it's it's been working. Uh, I'm hearing some things from people saying, look, I don't know a single person who's been infected by this thing. Right? And everybody's, it's shutting down the economy and it's been this whole bag, bid bag thing and it's, it's rough. It, it is rough. It has been hard. People are getting tested. People are getting confirmed to be positive. And pe- most people are being treated and, and recovering at home, and that's the encouraging part. But that doesn't mean that uh, we just take it lightly and start to you know, get back together with big groups and act all cavalier like it's not a big deal because – it is. Just look at New York City. And yeah. You know it's a it's a terrible thing going on well, and there. One, Eric, one mistake, one mistake, one dumb mistake screws it up for everybody. And we are right back to square one. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it has one dumb mistake of doing some big family. In fact, I heard about that big missionary family gathering they had at the airport that was all over Twitter. Missionaries tested positive. And yet, families are gathering around over there. Yeah, thankfully, things have changed since that happened. Mm-hmm. Things, as more and more missionaries were coming home, they were better about keeping distant. And uh, but it's hard, you know. You haven't seen these loved ones for twelve months, eighteen months, and uh, there they are. So it's it's hard. But you, you, man, continue to practice good social hygiene. 
Um, you know, wash your hands, keep keep your distance, uh, cover your face when you're out in public. It's not so much to uh, prevent getting the disease from somebody else, but it prevents you from sharing anything that you might have. And that's going to be a big difference too in slowing this whole thing down and, and stopping it. So, um, you know, for the most part, people have been doing a really good job and trying to walk that line of being aware and conscious and, and doing your part to, 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 to slow the spread of this thing, but also still doing your part to keep the economy going. It is kind of a fine line. And I think for the most part, a lot of people around here are doing a, a nice job of that. I really appreciate all the local businesses that are doing their part to, uh, to change some of the way that they do business to still help people, but to still keep their doors open. So um, anyway, that's, that's the latest update from today. Uh, as we know, these reports, there's a little bit of a lag time. So um, uh, what happens this weekend is really, really important. We're in a really critical stage from what we understand um, but uh, still testing available for folks. If you feel any kind of symptoms now, they say, go get tested. Because uh, before it was, if you had, like, if you were showing all the symptoms of COVID-19, only then would they test you. But now, if you have any hint of a fever or feeling ill, they want you to go get tested to try to get ahead of it as, as quickly and as early as they can. And we'll get through it. It's going to take some time, patience, and obeying and understanding the directions that we've been given from our local and state government. Uh, but we'll get through it. We'll be all right. So uh, just uh, one day at a time and, again, continue to obey instruction. Uh, some big news to get through. Utah Jazz are on the, uh, on the front page of about every news outlet for sports, and it's not for a good reason. And then at 4.30, Dominic Eberle, the former great kicker and he's an all-time leading scorer in Utah State football history, is going to join Eric and I at 4.30 here on 106 NFM 1390 AM. The fan reached out to him yesterday. Do you know what's crazy? Is when I reached out to him, because usually when you reach out to athletes, you're like, yeah, yeah, sure, I can make some time for you. Uh, yeah, well, I think we can do it. Dominic was like, holy crap, thank you so much for letting me come on your show. I was like, no, Dominic, <laughs> no, thank you, man. No, the really, honor is it's ours. such a pleasure to be on your show. I was like, oh, calm down, okay? You're, you're, you are the greatest kicker in Utah State football history. We are just two guys that are on mics that share our opinion. So, calm down. No, but he was so excited, and we are excited to have him. Again, that will be at 430 We'll have Dominic Eberle, the Utah State former or former Utah State football kicker. I hate saying that word. Hey, Houston former to Sam Merrill and Dominic Eberle. Those are two guys that, by the way, and it was interesting. I was talking to someone. And disagree or agree with me here, Eric? Dominic will be a bigger loss than we expected in the 2020 football season coming up. Uh. Potentially, I don't know. I mean, I have big question mark there because I really haven't seen a lot of who's behind him because he was so good that he was in on all of those kicks, and but we wanted him in on all of those kicks. We're talking about a guy who did not miss a PAT his entire career. He's one hundred and sixty-seven of one hundred and sixty-seven on PATs, and I remember the Colorado State game. Through a driving rainstorm, he drills a 42-yarder. That Fresno State game, he hits the game winner. The game at San Diego State hits two really tough field goals, I think from the right hash and middle left, and knocks him through. Just clutch. And when it's so... 
I remember talking to Jordan Love about it at a press conference, and I asked him about it, and he said, look, we'd rather score touchdowns. No offense to Dominic. Great guy. We'd rather just watch you kick a PAT. But it's really nice to know, he said, that when we do get stuck and we can't execute, that when they say field goal, we know we're going to get three automatically from them. And I, and I, that, I think that, says, that speaks volumes about Dominic Everly. Yeah, 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 it does. Uh, he's always a class act. He's always been great to talk to. Uh, very smart, uh, very thoughtful, uh, and so um, interesting to see what he kind of feedback he's getting about uh, potential roster spot on an NFL team. So stay tuned for that. That'll be fun coming up a little bit later on this hour. But as you said, Aj, big news today. This is the story that won't go away. This is. Um, the, <laughs> As we are in this sports desert <laughs> and a wasteland right now, there's been a lot of people in sports who have tried to be creative about trying to keep narratives going and and uh, finding stories and still being able to create some, some compelling content. Well, the folks at The Athletic have gone on a little bit deeper dive on what took place around that infamous night in Oklahoma City that shut the NBA down. And they've the it's a nice long piece uh, about the Jazz and their efforts leading up to what happened and they're trying to be proactive and meeting with doctors and specialists and Quinn Snyder had family up in Seattle and it was pretty bad up there so he was trying to prepare for the worst and they're trying to prepare contingency plans. And so it's a, it's a nice look at how the Jazz were trying to be proactive and maybe better than others, organizations. Uh, but then still, there's this negative spotlight that is on the organization and specifically on one player and uh, because he was a little cavalier with touching some microphones. And uh, and then they've continued to, to drag it up. Uh, you know, What's the relationship now between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert? And it's like the, it's the, the debate that won't go away. And Donovan Mitchell addressed this when he was on Good Morning America a few weeks ago and admitted that he hadn't talked to Rudy Gobert and did say that he was a little hot. And that was going to take him a bit to... Taking him some time to cool off. But at that time, I still got the sense that, look, the, the separation is probably good. They'll cool th- cooler heads will prevail. They'll be back together. They'll be fine. Well, the article that comes out today seems to indicate No. It's not fine, and it may not ever be fine. And Here's, it's frustrating it, to me, Audrey, to hear that. There you go. There you go. That's exactly right. Eric, we're talking about how excited we are to get basketball back. When is basketball going to be back? This story makes me terrified that when the Utah Jazz come back to play basketball. Like if Rudy Gobert is posted up on, on somebody in a mismatch on the right block, and Donovan's on the right wing, and the ball is swung to Donovan, is Donovan going to look at Rudy and be like, you know what, I still don't like you. Joe, here you go. Bogdanovich, I know you're getting double teamed, but I'm going to throw it to you anyways. Like, Is it going to affect their play on the court? Because if it does, I hate to tell you this, Donovan's got to go. you got to trade him next year. Are we are we to this point? Because really? this is so. I, yeah, I know. Because you can have teammates on the court that may not like each other, but as long as they know what they're supposed to do and execute it, that's they true. don't have to be buddy buddy going out to dinner and birthday parties and 
singing Kumbaya every sure, moment. But look, not everybody can get away with the Belichick-Brady relationship. This can't be one of them. If you're spending a lot of time, which you are, in an 82-game basketball season, you don't think that's going to affect your play on the court? You don't think that's going to affect the locker room? Look what Jimmy Butler did to locker rooms, and look what the teams did to Jimmy Butler. Look at what... Um, I, I, give, me, give me a ton of head cases. Dwight Howard is another one. Ron Artest was a problem. Found a fit in L.A. where he had to live under the guidelines of the Kobe Bryant world and did just fine. But it took him to get to L.A. to do so. These, this relationship, and by the way, this article is legit. Why? Because Tony Jones is a part of it and I trust Tony Jones. One of the best beat writers there is in the NBA. Uh, but when I, when I look at this, I say, if you can't fix this, if this is really an ongoing problem, Donovan's got to go. Well, okay, so if you don't have a, sub- a subscription to The Athletic, multiple other media outlets have picked up on this, and they're taking pieces of it that are the most relevant, the most important. So you don't necessarily need to have a subscription to The Athletic. What parts have you found most relevant this? and important? So for that, stand out to you that are like, oh my heck, this is really serious. Well, when it gets to the Mitchell-Gobert dynamic. Okay. Um, and it, 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 well, let me just put it this way. The Jazz have, this is straight from the article. The Jazz have already begun working on the Mitchell-Gobert relationship, but sources say Mitchell remains reluctant to fix what might have been broken. Quote, it doesn't appear salvageable, close quote. One source with knowledge of the situation said. Um, but here's, here's another interesting part of this, too, is something from Joe Ingles, who did agree to be <laughs> interviewed on this. He says, I'm confident our team is going to be totally fine. I heard Donovan's response, referring to Good Morning America, or whatever it was to that question, and a part of that is on Donovan and Rudy to sort out if he's frustrated with him or whatever. But I have no doubt when we get back to training or when our season starts again, our team is going to be what we have been and what we are. I'm confident our team will be completely fine. The chemistry will be fine. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way that one guy is annoyed or bothered or frustrated with another guy who both, by the way, are both guys that are superstars on this team and in the NBA and then turn around and say, hey, let's go play 48 minutes of basketball on the same team with each other. Let's see if it works. It's not going to. I disagree. I mean, I think it is immature, what Donovan Mitchell has been doing and how he's been pouting about this, there's no evidence that Rudy Gobert was the one who gave it to Donovan. It very well could be that Donovan gave it to Rudy uh, and that Donovan is is hell-bent on believing that it was Rudy's cavalier attitude with those microphones that gave him the coronavirus is still kind of silly. Um, th- this was a team that was traveling along the eastern coast they were through New York, which, as we know, has been devastated by all of this. And uh, so there's no evidence that it was Rudy who gave it to Donovan. Uh, it could have been a third party that gave it to both of them. So that, that Donovan is still fixated on that and hasn't moved past it, it, it surprises me a, a little bit. That's a maturity issue. Uh, and it's the first real one that's at least publicly been manifest about about that because I mean to this point Donovan has done and said all the right things. He's been great in the community. He's been great in interviews. He's been great with 
regular people in the community at uh, at games. He's been everything that the Jazz brass and as fans we would all want. He's been he's been awesome, but this has been disappointing that he continues to hang on to this, and even refused to be interviewed on this for this piece, because he knew he was going to be asked the question and he probably wasn't ready to answer it because he wouldn't. People probably wouldn't like his answer. But does that mean that it can't still work? I, I think. Look, John Stockton and Carl Malone were great on the court together. But they had very different lifestyles. It, they didn't hang out after games were done. They respected each other on the court. They knew what they needed to do to win games. They both were highly competitive and they wanted to win. So they would do what needed to be done on the court to win games. I don't see that it would be any different with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. My problem with this is, is that, and I'm with you, I agree to a ton of things that you just said, including the fact that Donovan Mitchell uh, has been really immature about the situation. The other problem I have with it is why hasn't Joe Ingles come out and said, look, the report isn't true. We are just fine. We're going to be okay. This team is strong. Why isn't anybody from the Jazz said, hey, we're fine. We're okay. Joe Ingles so, just said that. What? What did? Wait, where? I just read that. Okay, okay, sorry. In the quote, but I'm talking about on Twitter. Why isn't somebody coming well, on social media? not everybody has to be on Twitter. and. Well, not everybody has an athletic subscription. Well, <laughs> Look, Joe Ingles in a national publication just said, we will be fine. I'm confident. I'll quote it again. I'm confident our team will be completely fine. The chemistry will be fine. Close quote. Joe Ingles, an official member of the Utah Jazz, said on a national publication. Great, but do it on a national social media where everybody's seeing everything. Come out and say something. But then at the same time, I guess when I say that, I also think back if Donovan Mitchell doesn't like the tweet, if he doesn't retweet the tweet, then everyone's like, oh, Donovan well, Mitchell didn't do anything. Everybody over-examines everything. Hold yeah. on. So, yeah, okay, I can understand that. Uh, Eric, with this basketball season, hopefully, excuse me, hopefully to resume here in June, can they still repair the relationship? Or, I mean, even if it's unrepairable to, or, or not salvage whatever the situation is, can they still be a competitive team in the playoffs, or are we just kidding ourselves now? Or is this just smokescreen speak from Joe Ingles? Well, the Jazz were displaying they had some issues um, before the break. Uh, there were some things that were going on in the team that we were having a hard time understanding what was going yeah. on. Yeah. So this, what's going on, how Donovan Mitchell is, is acting now may be a manifestation of things that have been going on for months behind the scenes or at least the last few weeks before this shutdown happened. But um, the Jazz hit a slump there, but then they started to come out of it. So I think that this is... I believe in the coaching staff that the Jazz have. I believe in the organizational structure and the management level that the Jazz have. And I think the Jazz have good pieces on the court that they can be competitive. Are they going to be able to compete for a title this year? Probably not. I think the, the, the look at the Clippers, I look at the Lakers, I look at the Bucks, I look at the Raptors. I don't think the Jazz could beat any of those teams in a seven-game series. But I think they can be competitive. I think they can make a run in the playoffs. Even with all this going on, if it is still going on by then? I think enough time will have passed that once they get in the gym together and they'll be... Because look, these are, these are two guys that haven't been in the same room together since this all went down. Mm. They haven't been with their teammates and their friends since this all went down. 
So once you start getting into you know, training routines, back in the gym, putting up shots, running plays, then I think they'll they'll both be competitive and say, look, we got to do what we got to do to win games. I hope you're right. I really because this is this team has some talent and it has some potential. But when you have a locker room issue like this, does Donovan Mitchell become the cancer in the locker room that speaks and says, you know what, this guy's too much. Donovan Mitchell needs to go. And and let me ask you another question here. How much is there a problem with the financial circle about it? Now remember, if Rudy Gobert makes an all-NBA team, or if he makes the all-defensive team, that increases that little max contract to a super max. He's going to get paid big bucks. Joe Ingles might get paid big bucks. Donovan Mitchell coming through the, you know, through the tunnel at when he's uh, of eligible for a max, which he could probably get or will get, a super max, which he could probably be available to get. And but what, what if they don't have the money to afford him? Is there any kind of financial jealousy situation that you think lingers here just past the coronavirus? Oh, I don't know. I, I would be surprised if it, if it was. Look, Rudy's been in the league longer. He's received more NBA accolades than Donovan has. So if Donovan's jealous about that, then do something on the court about it. Look, Rudy has earned that right to get a Supermax contract by what he has done on the court. And he's he's been in the league longer. So he's further along in his, in his contract. If Donovan's going to be jealous about that, then again, that's another maturity problem that he's got to overcome and figure out. But I'd, I'd be surprised if that's the case. Um, but who knows anymore? Yeah, it's true. I, that's, I mean, now, now it's just kind of we can't see through the smoke. We can't see through the fire. We don't know what's going on. It, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when their first team meeting happens, though. When they're allowed to gather back together. I'm sure Dennis Lindsay will be a part of that meeting. Quinn Snyder will be a part of that meeting. Justin Zanuck will be a part of that meeting. Don Sterling will be a part of that meeting. Gail Miller may or may not be a part of that meeting. But they're going to make sure that everybody is on the same page. And if there isn't, uh, whether that's revealed or not, it will show through their game on the court. And then if, if it does, there's going to be rumors swirling all around for the rest of the 18 games and playoffs included that it could damage and affect this basketball team. Sure. Yes. But the time apart has probably been the best thing for the Jazz. And I, while some might want to focus on the has it though the part about the, it may be unable to be uh, uh, addressed or unable to be fixed, I'm going to focus on Joe Ingles, who's in that locker room, who's with those guys, who's in communication with those guys. I'm going to go with what Joe Ingles says. Yeah, but he's not going to come out and say, "Hey, look, everybody hates everybody. We can't stand each other. We can't wait to have the season over with." He's not going to say that. He's going to give you the political statement. No, but statement. he could certainly lean towards one way saying, yeah, it's it's not looking good. Now, he wouldn't say that. He wouldn't do that on a national publication, though. He would tell you that, oh, yeah, everything's fine and dandy. We're going to be okay. Can't wait to get the season started. You see Joe Ingles as a company guy who's always going to be straight up and honest. And when it comes to the basketball He's a trash team? talker. No, no. When it gonna... comes, if, it, that, if this was about a different team, Joe would probably say something like that. But when it comes to his own basketball team, his own basketball team with all the lingering issues already have, Joe's not going to just go off a cliff on this and turn into the black sheep of it. He's not going to. 
He's going to give you the political statement, the friendly thing. He's going to sugarcoat it without knowing the truth. Without us knowing the truth, excuse me. He knows the truth. He's just not telling us. I think he knows the truth and knows that, look, these are two competitive dudes that want to win. And we'll be able to work it out. We've had, he knows that locker room, and I'm sure there's been bumps along the road before that none of us know about. And the team's been able to work it out. I hope you're right. I, I hope you're right. Because we, we do need this team to be focused in the final 18 if they want home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. And then you're, you're as of right now, their second matchup, because they're a four seed right now, is that correct? Yeah, right now there's a four seed. They'd face uh, Oklahoma City. So then they get Lakers in round two, if, I mean, assuming that would be the case. you got to be focused. And if, I mean, you have one or two guys that are off helter-skelter, forget it. You ain't... <laughs> You're in, you're a six, seven, or eight seed now. We'll see how long it lasts. All right, we gotta take a break. Coming back, it is of course Dominic Erbley, Utah State field goal kicker, record setter, and the leader for the most points ever scored in Utah State football history. Dominic Erbley coming up next. You're on Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Andre Salveson. Hope you have a good weekend. Seems like every day is just kind of blended together. I, I heard someone refer to it. How's your blurs day? Because it's all blurred together. So You, got, you guys really tried hard there, didn't you? It's your blurs day. Uh, yeah. Be safe, though, this weekend. Please continue to be smart. Don't uh, mess things up for the rest of us just because it's an Easter weekend. Don't mess it all up for us. Yes. We're all good people. Hey, uh, joining us now here on the Full Court Press, we don't want to waste any more of his time. Grateful to have him. He's one of the greatest ever to put on a Utah State Aggie football uniform because he, he's, I mean, the record holder for the most points scored as a member of the Utah State Aggie football team. It's Dominic Everly joining us here on the Full Court Press. Dominic, my man, how are you? Great. How are you guys doing? We're, We're doing great. Hey, where do you find yourself at these days? Where are you hanging out? Uh, I'm back in Redondo Beach with my parents. Oh, that's not a bad place. Yeah, not not at all. I mean, we got a couple of days of rain, but that's that's not too bad to be stuck at home with. Hey, so uh, Dominic, a lot of us are thinking about um, you know, this NFL draft, which is which is coming up. They're still going to hold it uh, later on this month. It's just, man, what are we? Two weeks away? It's coming up soon. Uh, and certainly, a lot of attention on your teammate Jordan Love, as uh, he's likely to go pretty early in the draft process, but it's left us wondering any other Aggies might uh, get drafted or might end up with some NFL teams. So what's that process been like for you? Uh, Have uh, NFL teams been talking to you, and and what's that dialogue been like? Yeah, I mean, uh, you go through pretty much a similar routine as Jordan and David and all of them where you talk to coaches, you talk to uh, scouts and everything. They want to really get a profile on you. And I feel like the interview process of that is, is pretty similar. It's kind of hindered now because you can't actually have physical workouts. But th- that's why they always ask for, you know, sending them tape and everything. So it's not gotten too much in the way. It's just a little bit different than what it was if everything was going regularly. 
So with that, the tape that they're asking for, uh, we're seeing a lot of things that Jordan keeps getting asked about his interceptions, <laughs> and uh, that's uh, it's a the a, the bad mix tape that he has to send or keep talking about. Has there been anything similar with you? Do they want to look at the the misses, or are they looking at a variety of things when they're talking to you? Uh, they're they're looking at a variety of things. I mean, it's it's most important about being consistent. So you know, the, when they ask, they want a running tape of your workout from let's say this next Saturday. Then you send them that uncut twenty minute tape, and you know, let's say you go fourteen to fifteen or fifteen to fifteen, and then they have that on top of three or four other tapes in which you did thirteen to fifteen, fourteen to fifteen, or whichever it is. And then they can really see, okay, is, is his form similar in all of them? Is he improving? Is he, you know, consistent with his form? Same goes for kickoffs. So I feel like with quarterbacks, it's always tough because you can throw a really pretty ball, but you don't know if that's the perfect outcome, whereas with kicking, you can see if it goes through or not. So with, with Jordan, I mean, I feel like he, he has had a really good tape from this year and last year and you know NFL scouts know sometimes you know you force a ball or sometimes it gets deflected up in the air and it shows up on your stat sheet you know as an interception even though it wasn't necessarily your fault what have you heard from scouts or from NFL teams that or have you heard from them at all in regards to the highlight or videotapes that you do send uh yeah i mean they they respond positively to it. They're, you know, they, they know what I'm capable of and I've put together that resume. So they're, they're very excited. And, you know, you, you never know if it's a draft pick, if it's a free agent signing, you just want that opportunity. And that's, that's all I'm working towards to get in that opportunity with whichever team it will be. What do you feel the likelihood is of your name being called during the draft? I honestly am not going to pay too much attention to it. I know that I put together the best resume that I could have done, and all the other decisions are up to the teams on what they want to do. Do you, when you hear, well, usually kickers are going to fall to the latter round, quote unquote. Well, they don't need a kicker until a sixth round. Kickers aren't a priority. Does that ever kind of bother you? Because, I mean, you are one of the best kickers in the nation, and I've seen a lot of NFL kickers, and I look at the screen, and I'm thinking, man, Dominic makes that with his eyes closed. Do you ever have get offended or bothered by those comments that, hey, we don't need a kicker until the fifth or sixth round? Um, no. Like like I said, no, those decisions are made by other people, and, you know, they're on the NFL roster, there's 53 people, and every single one is important, whether you get a special teamer or a future Hall of Famer in the the second, third, or fourth round, you know, that that all kind of plays into it. Of it's a team game, and sometimes, you know, when when teams value you more than others, then they'll trade up or they'll pick you earlier. But in the end, it's kind of like they're trying to form the core of the team, and then most often specialists kind of come not last or not as a less priority, but they can kind of know that, nobody else will reach for them until the later rounds. We're talking to Dominic Eberle, one of the greatest Utah State football kickers to ever wear an Aggie uniform. Wait, will you tell him your nickname for him? Oh, yeah, I was re- always referred to you as Dominant. 
Isn't that cute? Dominant. Yes, I try to not refer to say your full your first name. I was, it's dominant. I love the tone of voice Everly. that he just repeated like dominant. Really? That's that's. <laughs> not, what... <laughs> I like that. I really that <laughs> well, because you were. I mean, you were you're making such deep field goals. You were always uh, automatic from PATs, uh, and you had a dominant career as a Utah State Aggie. And uh, when we look back on that career. It's it's a time you came in and you started early on, uh, helping out and making kicks, and so you've you've had a long career and a lot of years to put it all together. Uh, what are some of the things that stand out to you at your time at Utah State? Uh, just just the overall growth and the, the tough mindedness that we always had. I mean, it was a, a learning experience going through the 2016 season for everyone that I came in with and everybody else that came in that year where we really decided that's not who we wanted to be. We didn't want to just be good every four years or have one good season. We just wanted to always build on that and set our goals to be competing for a Mountain West Championship, which going through that lesson and then going through having the highs of last year and then the lows of you know, losing senior night against Boise State, you you remember all of those things where, you know, you want to achieve more, but sometimes it just wasn't meant to happen. Dominic, I got to ask you, you were named as a pro football focus, honorable mention, All-American. And in 2019, you're a second-team senior class award All-American, first-team All-Mountain West. Phil Steele's magazine first-team All-Mountain West. Uh, Mountain West Special Teams Player of the Week five different times. And then Ombro mentioned uh, All Mountain West as well. With all that, the one record that you wanted to go after was the all points scored, and you you broke it. I think at B or against BYU on a on an extra point. But you had that conversation, I believe, with your holder. Can you rem- go back to that conversation and what that was like, and then just the mindset you had to go after that goal? I mean, I I knew that was coming up because everyone was saying before the game that. You know, the next one you score, I'll, I'll break the record. And, you know, I, I try to not focus on that at all um, during the game. But it was something where I had set my eyes on that before my career even started. And, you know, being in that moment with all my teammates, having my long snapper, Brandon Potter, come and, you know, like rush at me after that and Aaron Dalton being the whole day. That was all just, you know, my best friends are there for this moment. We've all worked so hard together for it, and it's just a blessing to have had that opportunity. I still remember back when you broke uh, the single-game records of the six made field goals, three fifty-one-yard field goals, twenty-four points scored against New Mexico State. You and I were sitting in a post-game room, and I remember the—I remember this clearly. Phone call declined. Text message declined. Text message declined. Phone call declined, and you're trying to like finish this text message. And then finally you get it done, and you just kind of throw your phone to the side and take a deep breath. Uh, can you talk about just the support that you've received throughout your career from whoever and wherever, in the country, in the state, from teammates, and from family members as well? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's truly amazing because I feel like I'm always truly happy for all the accomplishments of my teammates and everybody around me, coaches, everyone that's helped me grow as a person. And in that moment, it was something where 
we didn't end right the last year. We, I personally felt like I, I let everybody down. And then in that scenario, it was, you know, amazing to have that support and have everyone encourage me and uh, just, you know, know all the hard work that I went through in that one year. And it, it was just something where the words kind of can't describe the emotions I felt. But I was just at that moment truly happy and was enjoying every moment of it. Uh, Dominic, with your conversations about potentially heading to the NFL, are there any teams that are taking more particular interest in you than others? Uh, yes. I mean, I can't say which teams, but there are teams that are showing more and more interest, whether it's checking up daily, whether it's having more and more interviews since right now they're only allowed to interview certain players X amount of times in the week. So, you know, they're trying to get a profile on everybody that they can, but when you know those restrictions and the team, they're still reaching out to you. That's when you kind of get an idea of who's more interested than others. It seems like one of the more interesting aspects of the surrounding the NFL draft is what NFL teams do to try to create a psychological profile on a player to figure out what they'll do in different situations, how they'll adapt, uh, how they'll fit into their culture. Have there been some strange questions thrown your way as NFL teams have tried to figure out who you are, what's what's going on between the years? Yeah, I mean, every everything that you do with a test or is a test, especially in interviews, and, you know, some questions you might answer one way and they interpret it a completely other way. But I'd say having the experience at the Shrine Bowl where we got to take a lot of physical tests where they evaluate what kind of learner you are, what are your personality traits, all those different tests, I feel like that's how they get the majority of the profile on you. And I honestly like that because, you know, some people are – that are visual learners, whereas others, if they hear something, they're reminded of it better than others. So it, it depends what kind of learner you are in certain situations. And especially for kickers, I mean, if you are a kicker that learns from looking at others, then, you know, watching consistent film will make you better. Whereas if you want your coach around you at all times to be able to kind of walk you through your steps and what you're doing right or what you need to work on, then that's also good to know because a team can say, okay, we can hire this consultant to work with you. I know football wasn't your first sport growing up, and then, I mean, you caught on late. Did you ever think that you'd be here at this point getting ready for the NFL draft, all-time leading scorer and the greatest kicker in Utah State football history? Uh, no, I mean, it, it was always a dream to play professionally, but you can't really, you know, go and just say, okay, it'll happen this one day without looking back at all the roads and obstacles you have to overcome and everyone that's helped support you. I mean, it's it's truly amazing to be in this position, but that doesn't mean that the work is over yet. Dominic, let me ask you, you were the, the, the fixture when any kind of field goal or PAT attempts that were going on at Utah State for years you're going to be leaving Utah State. What does the future look like? Who are those kickers that are coming up behind you? So I'm, I'm very confident in Connor Coles. 
being, you know, the next great ticker. I mean, I, I truly believe that he's matured and grown over the last few years. And he consistently has gotten every better every single year. And we've competed every single year. I mean, it's it's great to know that he'll be the next guy up and that he'll do his job as well as he can. And I'm excited to see him, you know, go out there and have a great year, have, have the team have a great year, and just fully be in support of those guys. Uh, by the way, is your parents... Uh... I guess I'd ask, are they in the States? I don't know where the where your beach is located at, so I got to ask. It's California. Oh, it is? Yeah. I seriously didn't know that. <laughs> That's cool. I, I, I got to get you a map in here sometime. I thought we were going like, to throw like roaming minutes right now or whatever, <laughs> long distance phone call. Uh, uh, no, no. <laughs> hey, who do you train with? Uh, I was up in Buffalo from January till March with a kicking coach named Adam Tanofsky. And we were up there with, you know, about eight or nine other kickers and punters just working that three to four times a week together and just, you know, getting ready for the draft. And how is it now? I mean, you can't have a lot of people. Uh, there's some parks that you can't even go to to, uh, to to work out in. So what's the process like for you? Do you have a place where you can go kick? Uh, yeah. So at, at first for, you know, once the shutdown was official, uh, I was kind of looking at high schools going there at 6, 6.30 p.m. and hopping over the fence just because I kind of knew that nobody was going to be around at that time. So, you know, I had to kind of wait to go on the field. Sometimes, you know, you have a security guard that will politely ask you to leave. And then other times, you know, I would go to a park, just work the fundamentals. And luckily now, uh, about 15 minutes down the road, is private school opened their fields up that has upright so i've been going there to, to train quite frequently wow uh what it's strange times that we're in but but sounds like you're still finding ways to connect and uh and and still works th- some things out that's what's i think really kind of curious about all this is how do guys stay in shape and then how do they continue to work on the potential because eventually things will get back to normal football games will be played and uh, we certainly look forward to seeing Dominic Everly on a, on an NFL roster. Hey, I, I do got to ask you really quickly. What is uh, what have you heard about uh, the NFL season uh, with your agent and such? Are they planning on starting on time, or, or what is that still fluid? Uh, I I have not been informed on any of that. I mean, you see all these different reports that they're saying of you know delaying by a month or so, but. Nothing's been official, so right now the only thing that I can really focus on is the draft and, you know, finding out where I'll go and the rest from there we'll, we'll find out as we go. Would you rather kick on turf or natural grass? Uh, no preference. Oh, come on. No, no, no preference. <laughs> <laughs> We've had the luxury of playing on both, and I, I truly enjoy both, so there's no, no preference, honestly. How far can you kick right? Now? I mean, what's your what is your comfortable yet? I guess what is your range distance at right now? So within any given day, I can go out there and you know hit a 60, 62 yard field goal or so. And then <laughs> when you do have a little breeze behind you, you know you can rack up sixty five, seventy sometimes. Well, oh, <laughs> we uh, we know you're you're good for it. Uh, you've been very consistent and dominant. 
for Utah State. And uh, we, we really look forward and excited to seeing you uh, being able to make an NFL roster. And certainly, we believe you can. We hope that uh, NFL officials believe the same. So best of luck for these next couple of weeks as it gets closer. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Dom, thank us again, man. Appreciate you a lot. Good luck to you, and uh, we'll do it again. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, buddy. Take care. Dominant Eberly, one of the best ever, if not the best ever, as a, as a kicker for Utah State University. Um, and uh, there was a, a game or two, yeah, where he was a little off, and he knows it, and uh, he, he regrets it. He feels bad about those games. But when you take those out as outliers, he was really, really consistent, uh, very reliable, and uh, he didn't put too much pressure on the offense to try to force things when you got into a certain part of the field that you knew you had a guy that could give you automatic points, and that's what he could do. So really I excited st- to see what he does. I still feel bad. I don't know where the beach was at. I thought it was like in Germany. I'm not even joking you. Redondo Beach? I've never heard of it. Uh, you should look it up. Okay, well, I'm sorry I don't know all my Southern beaches. California, beautiful place. They didn't place. teach me that in history class. Beautiful place. How did you know that? You've been there? I don't think I've ever been specifically to Redondo Beach, but I've been to Southern California. I've heard about it in pop culture, I, movies, television. I feel so bad because I was like, because I know. Did you think it was somewhere in Germany? Yeah. No, I really did. Okay. I'm from India. We don't know our <laughs> beaches. No. We know there's an ocean next to us, a lot of it. That's about it, though. That's a cool story, though. Um, yeah, he's, here's a kid from Nuremberg, Germany. Family uh, ends up going to coming into uh, to the states. Well, he he picks up. He originally liked to play soccer. Eventually, picked up football, American football, and uh, had an opportunity to start to learn. And really, a, a former Utah State kicker was a real mentor for him, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Brad Bond and uh, was uh, really what helped steer him this way and uh, helped him with his mechanics and turned him into one of the great kickers that we've ever had at Utah State. Yeah, absolutely. Could not agree more. All right, we got to take a break. Coming back, we'll wrap it up here on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. For the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Hey, what question do you think was worse that I asked Dominic? Where is Redondo Beach and why is he in Germany? Or, <laughs> hey, I know you just set a record, a school record in points in a single game, but when you kick a ball, how do you kick it? Like, are you kicking it to kick it or do you kick it just to, I mean, where are you trying to kick it to? I, I just, uh, I'm glad we don't do a poll vote right now. I'm glad not a lot of people. <laughs> it's Redondo Beach questions probably. <laughs> It's worse? No way. Really? I don't re- I don't recall that other one being that bad. Oh, well, that's nice of you. <laughs> You're my friend. <laughs> hey, news today speaking of uh football, XFL suspending operations basically indefinitely. There there's not even uh, they'd have no plans to return for 2021 and because of current state of the world right now. They had to cancel their season last month after only 5 games into it. Uh, it looked like it was promising, maybe a little bit better than the Alliance for American Football, but um, now they've run the numbers and it's looking bleak, and they're not sure about anything for even 2021. So, kind of scary. It's too bad. 
Um, so do they go the American Alliance football route and they're done? Uh, they have bankruptcy. Con- well, I haven't heard any stories about players not getting paid. That's a good <laughs> organization <start>. saying, "Hey, <laughs> don't cash that check just yet." So maybe there's still hope. But you know, the, the, all the football could be shifted next year anyway. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. And the NHL, by the way, uh, different locations are reaching out to them, saying, "Hey, we'll be a neutral site location for the playoffs." And the NHL is basically saying, we still don't even know what's going on yet. We can't decide on playoffs. Come to Salt Lake City. We'll fix it all. Hey, for Dominic Eberly, Eric France, and I'm Audrey Salison. Enjoy your week. Please be safe. Stay home. Happy Easter.